Welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. All right. Welcome back to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall. I've got an awesome episode ahead of me with my good friends, Todd Ye, throughout Malhotra, and Aaron Nojima, who you might have heard on uh, episode two or three. I can't remember because Aaron shared his uh, experience going to Formula One for the first time. If you haven't listened to that episode, definitely check it out. We'll put a link in the description to it. But uh, we got a we got a, a little fantasy draft action going on. Not true fantasy draft, but if you are familiar with the Sneaker History podcast and how we do our my starting five, we're gonna kind of do that same thing with Formula One drivers and show you how we would pick from the current drivers. So before we get into that, what's good, guys? How you guys doing? I'm officially that guy. Like we used to see that gentleman that would dress head to toe in Michael Jordan apparel and Jordan shoes whenever he would go for pickups. So I figured, let me embrace that spirit. So I would like to go by Charlene, uh, Charlos Signs LeClerc. <laughs> Charlos. Yeah, let's go with Charlos. Nice, nice. I'm better than that, whatever he just said. <laughs> I'm just really happy that he's dressed in all red and somehow procured a Ferrari beanie out of nowhere. Listen, I, unlimited pockets every now and then. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be here as well. And now I'm just going to laugh when um, the road doesn't get yeah, any Ferrari exactly right. <laughs> This is a big stop. Please don't draft any Ferrari, bro. Oh man. So I just want to say it's been awesome having everybody's support so far. Like I was telling Todd a little bit before we got started recording, we, we got a lot of people tuning in the last few episodes, a lot more than, than I expected. So shout out to all of you for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, leave us a review on iTunes or subscribe on Amazon, Spotify, all those fun spots where you can listen. But Roe's going to actually read us a review because this is a tradition that we have on the sneaker history podcast, which we're all kind of very closely connected too. So let's let's hear let's hear the feedback, Ro. Um, this is from Rowan M13, and he said this is a fantastic voyage of friendship. The three hosts have a real chemistry and do a great job simplifying a complex sport with even more complicated personalities. Give it a lesson and fall in love with the sport all over again. Very nice guy, very smart guy. Hope nothing but the best for this individual and his future. Sounds like a Ferrari fan to me. I just wish you were wearing your Alpine shirt with your Ferrari beanie. Oh no, that's in storage right now. Otherwise, my team made though will be the Fighting Ocons, so that's there in spirit. Oh, we're going team names already. Oh man. Uh, Yeah. Note on that: we are going to do an actual fantasy league, um, which will be happening in the sneaker history. Discord, I will be creating that this week. So if you're interested, reach out to me, Nick, Bro, whoever. I know Aaron will be in it. Um, and uh, we'll get you set up for the Fantasy League. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll put a link in the de- description to the Discord, too, so you can check it out and have a chat with people in there. There's quite a few actual uh, Formula One fans. I'm actually surprised how many we've, we've gained in the last you know couple months. So conversations have definitely leveled up. Absolutely. And I always say the best way to learn a new sport is either through fantasy or video games. So we are giving you guys an opportunity because lo and behold, those 33 million uh, new viewers need to start somewhere and what better place to start than fantasy. And as Aaron can attest, 
my uh, last place finish last year it was not a fluke. I finished last in every fantasy league I ever play in. It just is a nonstop bottom of the barrel thing for me, mainly because I don't give it enough time and energy, but it's fun nonetheless. So Aaron is so disgusted by a performance. He actually left the show. So while we <laughs> wait for him to come back on, uh, I will say this one difference about the formula one fantasy compared to how the American fantasy system goes is essentially we have a salary gap. So everybody can, allocate their funds the same way. So there's a distinct possibility we may all have Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen on our team. It's just how do we allocate the rest of those funds? So that's always fun because as much as I love traditional fantasy in the USA sense, I do think a greater indicator of how dominant you are as a sports fan is if everybody gets the same level playing field. Aaron, how are you doing? I just want to rub it. Disgusting break that I know that the mere mention of Nick Engel on fantasy always makes me turn green. So I'm glad you at least took the time out to get away from the screen, vomit appropriately, and then come I'm kidding, Nick. I'm sorry. Yeah, Nick in uh, fantasy is just not um, – we all know Nick Nick juggles a lot of different things, and he, he knows a lot about a lot of different things. It's just um, sports, sports and uh, fantasy, yeah. Nick, sometimes don't go hand in hand. We'll do better this year, though, because we'll have like I might have to create a burner account just there. so I don't finish last. <laughs> I'm gonna d- <laughs> no, guys. This is really me all season in, in P4. I just want to give Aaron a shout out because he joined the fantasy league uh, a week after <laughs> the first race and still didn't finish last. Which is actually, I think you finished third. Yeah. Which is a pretty pretty impressive, I gotta so I think say. Was tra- obviously Travis won. Uh, Todd, I think you got second, no? Uh, no, I thought you. No, last did. time I checked, I was in the penultimate spot, so I thought it was Travis, Todd, Aaron, then the power bottoms of the fantasy league, if you want to call <laughs> us that. Nick and I, I'm pretty sure that's what that term relates to. But didn't think that was going to come up. Never does. <laughs> Yeah, if you're not the first or last, right? So it doesn't matter anyway. Oh man, yeah the, the fantasy the fantasy league was really fun. Just to, I think for me it's it's it is more enjoyable than like traditional American sports because you have some variables in there that you don't have to account for. You know, as Rowett mentioned, and uh, definitely sign up for that if you're listening. You'll you'll uh, you'll have some fun with it, and we we probably will do a bunch of episodes around it too, just because we're excited about it and have fun with it so yeah it was a lot of fun last year so today we are going to go kind of uh i guess more traditional american fantasy in a sense that we're just going to run through the the 20 drivers on the grid each of us is going to be able to pick one we're going to run through one through four fourth person will get to go back to back to start the second round until we each have five and I guess I will toss this to Rowan or Todd to kind of explain how we're going to measure points for this. Okay, I'll jump in there. So as Nick mentioned, we're going to do snake draft style. Everybody gets five drivers. The only rules being that you can't pick two drivers from the same team. So you can't like have Max and Checo at, from Red Bull. You'd have to pick a different. You'd have to pick a different team uh, for your next pick. Um, 
And then the point system, we're going to do it a, di a bit differently because as we know in F1, only the top 10 finishers get points towards their season championship totals. This to keep it interesting and make a battle for P18 as exciting as we want for a battle for P2 or 3 or whatever. Um, so first place is going to get 20 points because there's 20 drivers on the grid in Formula 1. Um, P P2 is going to get 19, et cetera, all the way down to P20 getting one point. The only way to not score a point or points for that race is if your driver DNFs. And as we saw in races like, what was it, Turkey last year? Or not Turkey, um, Russia, there was a lot of attrition. Uh, there was one where Valtteri just bowled through half the front runners at the beginning of the race. I can't remember what race that was, but that was a race that Elkon won, so I should... No, bro, bro, you I should, should know. Have. I thought it was Turkey or Bahrain, but I'll quickly look that up while you guys continue to grab it up. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. And then so we've readjusted the drivers, as we know. Uh, Mazda spin, Marzipan. De uh, he who shall not be named, prodigal. basically because of yeah. the fact that he kind of does look like a young Voldemort. He unfortunately, unfortunately, is no longer with us. And while we may pour out a small amount of our non-favorite drink, but yeah, good riddance, good fellow. I don't ever want to see you again if I can help it. So that means that that twentieth uh, seat and/or probably last pick is going to be a wild card for whoever gets that seat. Sounds like it's going to be Fittipaldi. Um, but yeah. And for those Didn't that are the rules. completely new to Formula One, a DNF is a did not finish. So they just straight up could not oh. get around the track enough to get to the checkered flag. Thank you. Or they get ran into by Bottas <laughs> in the beginning yeah, of a yeah. race. Many things can happen to cause that. But There's some races... I'm just hoping for torrential rain at every single race just so we have chaos. It would really make it interesting. And like, I guarantee at least once this season, somebody's going to get really screwed with like a big crash at the beginning and another one of their drivers like DNF. So they only have like two finishers <laughs> and they're going to end up with like four points while everybody else gets like 34 or something. Yeah, it's going to be funny. I mean, the one thing about about rain and Aaron, Aaron, Aaron was there when I think when we were at uh Laguna Seca for sports cars, America Le Mans, like, I don't know when that was, 2002 or 2003, when they did the endurance runs or the four-hour races into the night. The rooster tails that come off, the, the, the water spray that sprays off the back of the cars that they call rooster tails is one of my favorite things in all of life. Just seeing that is just like, what in God's name and how, like, I don't even like driving in the rain as it is like just if it's raining outside, I'd just rather stay inside, but these guys are driving what hundred and hundred and probably topping out at like one fifty in the rain. Easily. Oh, and the F1, they still, they'll still hit 180, 190 miles an hour in the rain on the straights. Like it's spa and stuff. Yeah. But I, I, I think it would be Amazing, especially this year of all the regulations and obviously the ground effects and the floors to see just the, the spray, just so we can see the vortices and the, all the arrow in action. Because just even through um, obviously the, the preseason and stuff like that, just the, the small session that they wet the track, like there's a lot of differences between the, yeah. the cars with that. So the ner nerdy side. No, I'm here for it. See that. I am. Even though I don't understand. Understand any of it. That. it yeah. cool. Actually, since you brought that up, Aaron, like because of the new regulations 
and it's supposed to throw the air up higher so that the car behind doesn't have dirty air the 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 rooster tails that that nick just mentioned i can't even if they have like a really wet race like how is that going to look like just like a 10 foot 15 foot spray behind each car that's going to be amazing (laughs) yep all right so we did a little we did a little wheel of names to decide on who was going to go first and although you know most podcasts would probably welcome the guest this guest being aaron and let him go first we're ruthless here so todd spun the wheel and todd's going first i'm glad you introduced it and made it sound like i picked myself thank you that's how i saw it i mean it was four uh, quadrants of a wheel and they all said todd in different shades of red so (laughs) that's all you're seeing right now is red row yeah. All right. Uh, with the first pick in the inaugural, what is this? Exhaust Notes podcast, not fantasy fantasy yeah. draft. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go. I, he's out for revenge. He's out for blood. He's in his prime. He's reaching a higher level than he's ever reached before. He's a seven time scratch that really eight time world champion. I'm going to go Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, every now and then, whenever we do something like this, I hope somebody embraces their inner Charles Barkley and completely misinterprets what the draft is and picks the Allen Iverson-esque pick. Kudos to you, Todd, for not doing that and actually following instructions and knowing what the assignment is, but damn you. Because here I thought this may have happened again, but no, you've shown, once again, you've got a cool head and a calm belly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, one and two um, is like one yeah. A, one B, realistically. Well, m- maybe not. Nick might. Yeah, and yeah Nick is Alan Iverson. Alan Iverson, Damn. Orlando Norris, <laughs> Alan Iverson of Formula One. And if so, I'm ready for that Nick game ball reach. I bet he's got a sweet crossover. <laughs> yeah, have you seen his Twitch channel? He crosses over all the time. I mean, he... <laughs> thank you. He has a YouTube and a Twitch. Come on. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't do that as much as i would like to pick lando with the first pick uh it it just seems really ignorant of me if i don't take max so i'm gonna go with max yeah unless you wanted to trade picks i mean we, we could well, that's an picks. interesting curveball you want to give me <laughs> that would have been a really interesting curveball had we talked about it beforehand <laughs> yeah we've talked about I it i should have thought about that before just for picks next, next year <laughs> yeah quit stalling angle pick a player i'm going with max i got to as much as i didn't like the uh the outcome last year i i still think he's to aaron's point he's 1a and or 1b depending on which coin which side of the coin you are yeah I, I mean, I really d- don't like Max Max's personality or a lot of the his actions on track. Um, but I had him on my fantasy team pretty much all year last year. I think most of us did because he's like he's besides the three DNFs, he was on the podium the entire year. I believe he I mean, he might have been off the off the podium once, but that's when that race I was talking about earlier where Botas just pinballed everyone into him and he was missing half a car and he still finished like 10th or something. So yeah, I think, yeah, I was going to say, I think the flip, the flip side of, of Todd's point about Lewis, right? Like I really think Lewis is coming back with a vengeance and he's just going to be dominant, but 
I think that there is like a very, very slight chance that Max also potentially lets up a little bit in the sense that like he got his title. He's, he's, you know, like he's been, he's the dive bomber of this, of this, you know, generation, right? Like he's Lewis eight years ago. Everybody's pissed that he's so aggressive out there. Maybe, maybe now that he's got a championship, he just ever so slightly backs off and, and somebody else sneaks in there, which then of, of course would mean like, if he does that the following year, he comes back and dominates. So, so are you saying he's lost the eye of the tiger that he's kind of been swayed by the luxuries and the riches of being the asterisk world champion of formula one, because I could see that scenario, but then I also see the fact that this dude looks like a young Val Kilmer in Top Gun and he's going to be the Iceman and he's going to go out for blood. And it truly is going to be hammer and tongs for the entirety of the season. Hey, Slider, you stink. <laughs> uh, sorry, Aaron, were you going to say something, brother? Oh, no. I, don't, I think out of the group here, though, I'm, I'm the biggest uh, Max Stan, and I'll happily admit it. I just like to, you know, have to back up my boy and just say, like, he was um, led the most amount of laps. Dominated. He most, had more you know, laps led than everyone uh, else combined yeah. last year. Yeah. Yeah. You've mentioned it on, on the pod. You know, I mean, he, he was dominating like, like the last race shouldn't have gone yeah. that way, but he was more than deserving. He was, those two were far and above the it best definitely drivers. Like class of their yeah, own. Of for sure. Year. I do want to bring up, cause I'm glad that Nick mentioned that about having maybe like taken his foot off the gas pedal, pun intended a little bit. Nice um, he did have an, if you're stopping, uh, he did have an interview with Dutch media this week where he said he's not, it doesn't have the same desperation. He's not going to basically go all out the way that he did last year and, you know, go for every gap. And, and like, he's, he, he is not going to be driving in the same sense or that with the same desperation that he said, or that he did last year, he said, but I actually think that could be a benefit to him. Because several, a couple of those races, like he knew he was going to get passed at that corner at Silverstone. And if he would have backed out and let Lewis take that corner, he could have been in the race later and not DNF'd, right? Or like gotten points or whatever. And then in um, Monza, when he ended up on top of Hamilton, he could have let him have that corner, you know, maybe still finish second instead of DNFing. I know they both did, but you know what I mean? It could still work to his benefit to be a little less aggressive. Because the team needs to win, so, right? The Constructors' Championship has to be the next goal for Red Bull. Like, absolutely has to be That's the biggest source of money. Yeah. But also, okay. also, let's 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 throw another curveball in here for, for Max and that. I would actually think that Max learned from Lewis because Lewis is the, the king of misinformation and interviews on the radio, everything, right? Anything that guy says, take with a grain of salt. Like, I think he's a great human being, but when he's in a car or talking about a car or talking about a race or talking in a car, or talking about his tires or talking. Yeah, yeah. He knows exactly how to like, like push buttons of other drivers. Right. I think we talked about it. If not in a podcast, we've talked about it in the discord about, you know, Lewis is like, He's by far one of the best drivers of all time, but I think he's better at getting into people's heads than any driver ever. Like, I don't think any driver with the exception of maybe 
Alan Prost getting into Senna's head, right? Like there's just no, you know, like he's just so good at it. You could see the frustration from Max, even knowing that he led all these laps throughout the season and was dominating primarily, you know? So maybe Max is just taking that same card and, and starting to play the game of, uh, of, of politics and, and interviews and all that stuff, which would be even greater because then it's going to be just insanely entertaining. We'll know if he's playing mind games this year, if Max comes on the radio and says his tires are gone and then he clicks off the fastest lap <laughs> because Lewis does that probably once a race. And then, so if Max does that at any point this year, he's definitely learning from, from Lewis on that. Yep. All right. We've talked about the one, a one B enough row hit with the third pick. What do you got? See, I think this is where the draft starts. Cause I can kind of go a number of different ways. There is an enticing Ferrari option because I am obviously kitted out, but you know what? I'm going to go with what I think might be the biggest question coming into the season, which is how good is George Russell going to be now that he's got the artillery? And I'm going to go with George Russell as my third overall pick and the first overall pick for the fighting Ocons. Just because I think he is going to, ultimately in my mind, he dictates who's going to end up with that constructors because if he just slots in, it's going to be a Mercedes runaway again. But if he has any sort of growing pains, then I think this is the opportunity that Red Bull is looking for to kind of snatch that title away because it's been eight years now for Mercedes, right? We don't want to see a decade, do we? I kind of do, actually, because then I look like a genius because one, not Russell would have a, played a big part in that. But it's interesting to me that Russell is, in my mind, not getting talked about as much as he should because everything we heard about him when he was in Williams was he is the next one. He is essentially the prince to Lewis's kingdom and he's just waiting for his time to shine. So I'll go with young Simba. I'm getting upset because um, you guys just top threes. It's my top threes. And so I definitely think George is going to have a good year. I think the reason uh, Lewis is a good number one pick is because Max is the far and above number one on the team and Checo is number two as much as I love Checo. And not that Lewis isn't number one, but this is probably his biggest competition besides obviously Rosberg. Um, so have someone push him as well as what happened last year. I think this is going to be like the best Lewis, which is going to be the best George. And um, obviously at, at testing, they were top on the time charts, even though they did it on the on the C5 tire, which is the softest tire. And so a lot of people like to bring that up, but they still show that they're still on pace. So um, and obviously I can ask the piece. panel this question. If Lewis had any other teammate, do you guys think he would have won the title last year? Because I do think there was a bit of complacency with Valtteri as his number two because Valtteri was never really going to challenge him for anything. Well, that's why I took Lewis first overall in this draft is because I think for the first time in a long time, Lewis is going to have that rear gunner in George. I think he will be – it's probably going to be P, – you know, if the race works out in that such, such a way, but it'll be P1 Lewis, P2 Max, P3 Russell, who I think will be on pace – or probably better than Checo. So that that affects Max's pit stops. If you've got a, a Merc ahead of you and behind you, you can't just pit, you know, and undercut them. You have to think about, oh, wait, you know, I've got a Merc behind me that could undercut or overcut me, which 
uh, plays plays a lot of part of the strategy. So I've, that's why I took Max, or uh, that's why I took Lewis over Max because I was thinking Max at first. But I think Lewis having that actual rear gunner this year is not only going to secure the ninth constructors for Merck. I think it's going to help Lewis uh, win that win that championship. And I feel like to, to your point, Rohit the the prince in waiting i feel like he's there and he really wants to be that backup this year and learn everything he can and be in lewis's shadow and and he's been a merc guy since his junior like his karting days he was signed with mercedes so i think he's i don't think he's gonna push lewis uh he'll play you know a strong p2 driver this year and then it'll be a year or two until he's like you know what I'm not going to listen to team orders, yada, yada. Yep. I agree. I mean, I think too, like the, as much as like, I really like Valtteri Botas, but you know, he's just not aggressive enough for Lewis at this point. Right. Like Lewis needs somebody that's, that's going to be like right up there fighting, you know, the same way that, 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 you know, Checo that Sergio Perez did, right. Like, you know, the same way that Alonzo did, you know, for Alpine and uh, like the drivers that have it in them, just turn it on and become like the fighters in that moment. And I don't think Botas really has done that for a couple of years. He's a great driver, but he's also benefited from being in the best car. So, or, you know, arguably the best car, depending on how you feel about Mercedes and, and Red Bull. But anyway, the last eight titles say best car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So going to Rowe's question, yeah, like if Russell wasn't at seat last year, I think Mercedes. Perfect. All right, Lewis wins. the floor is yours. All righty. What the, I'll do my best Adam Silver impression. Maybe not. Yeah, I was waiting for the music to happen. So um, with my number four, with the number four pick, I'm going to go with uh, – you would think it would be Checo because you, you know, I do think that Red Bull and Mercedes are the obviously still the top teams out there, and they proved it. The engine hasn't changed that much. They're not does the engine freeze? Um, but I'm going to go with Lando. And now the engine begins. Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! And I love yes. the reaction Damn I just it. got from everybody. Yes. And there, and there's a few reasons why. Number one, preseason. It is preseason, but McLaren looks looks strong they they made some drastic and dramatic changes to the car that people didn't expect the front suspension they went a little bit different than everyone else they've they're porpoising they didn't really have that issue um so the floor looks like it's it's been pretty solid uh obviously last year the you know his almost win and obviously coming second to danny uh, when he felt like he probably should have been able to to pass him up He's young, he, he's hungry, he just pushes himself. And I think he learned a lot from last year, like obviously like being up there and then having, having it taken away from him. Um, I just think like, just overall, like, you know, he's, he's like the McLaren, like you've talked on the pod, he, the most popular team. They have a great looking car. They got the great, you know, one-two pairing. Um, I just think he's, he's ready for it. And then uh, he's hungry and, and going to get that, be up there. Especially losing uh, at the end of the season to, to Carlos in points. 
I feel like everyone gives them crap because they're they're good friends, even on our different teams. And I, but I know that burns in him. No, I was interested awesome. to see how far Lando would drop, so to speak, because for some reason I thought it would be a dogfight between our two biggest Lando appreciators in Todd and Nick. But thank you, Aaron, because we always need a good drama on draft night. So this is perfect. And yeah, I think Lando's obviously the reason why that damn Formula One McLaren set was sold out everywhere at Lego stores. So yeah, his popularity <laughs> is his popularity. That being said, I am interested to see how exactly does he cope with Ricardo in his second year? Because going off of the Renault fandom that I had, he really got a hold of the car in a slightly more traditional fashion in terms of getting podiums. And that's what we always expect with Danny Rick. So I'm interested to see what he does. Are the growing pains gone? And is he going to have one last kind of signal of intent saying, hey, this isn't necessarily your team just yet, young guy, even though you've signed that contract till I think 2026 or 28? 25, uh, I believe. One of those numbers. 2025. Just numbers. Yeah, but he did get a, a long extension. I am bummed uh, that Lando's off the board. I think I could see him in a way, if the McLaren's as good as it looked in the first preseason testing that we couldn't see. So I don't know why I just said as good as it looked, but we saw a little bit of footage. You guys know what I mean. Um, I, I could see him fighting for p3 p4 in the championship this year if the mclaren's up to up to snuff yeah i mean so i i already had these bold predictions before we even saw testing i just feel like lando's i don't know moments away from being the next dominant driver in, in formula one um i mean for god's sake i almost took him with my first first round pick but no. yeah, I was going to say, just to remind everybody, Nick and Wall's <laughs> bold predictions in a previous episode was Lando Norris would have six podiums this year, including two wins. I will now ask what I think is going to be essentially the question that Formula One fans may be asking themselves over the course of the next 10 to 15 years, which is Lando or George. I'll pose that to every single one of you. We're saying uh, best driver or, or best in their car because it's that's the thing it's like i i, put, I factored <laughs> in who they're driving for also because the mercedes let's say the best driver which that's a good point though too because both both of them have recently signed what five-year deals so like we're going to see them in these cars for a decent amount of time unless they really screw up yeah Ah, oh, God, that's a tough one. I I would have to go George. I love Lando. I am Team Papaya. But I don't see Merck falling off in that way. I mean, they've, like we just said, they've won eight Constructors Championships in a row. I think McLaren, however, is still a couple of steps away from fighting at the front consistently. Um, so just from that alone, I think George is equally as fast i think um might be a little i think lando's probably faster over one lap but george is maybe better in traffic so with that i'd have to pick i'd have to pick george perfect now aaron how are you going to follow up that lando pick what, what earth-shaking revelation are you going to draft next <laughs> 
And I don't even know how this happens because it seems like I'm I'm going for the young guns. But uh, Road, I'm taking one of your guys oh, off that's the board, a pick. and I'm going with that's Charles. A, I was hoping you would we'll pick Sergio or Carlos, so I could take Charles because I think he's the best young driver of his generation. And yes, he's in a Ferrari that we all have hopes and dreams about in terms of maybe they regain their prior status. But I don't know. This dude seems to be at the top of the list on most feared drivers and he's relatively young he's almost become a 1c or an afterthought when you talk about george and max and even lando to a certain degree so great pick by you but what about charles i guess justifies him as a number two overall pick if we're a brand new watcher of the sport like what could you say are his number one qualities aaron I think for Charles, like he's part of that the youth movement in, in Formula One, which is Lando, George, Charles, Alex, um, you know, and there's a bunch of guys that grew up together karting and uh, was able to get to the seats quick. For, for Charles, like he's just been known to get a lot out of the, the vehicle to the best of his abilities. And, you know, there's a lot of times where some of his DNFs or um, placement in, in races is due to some unfortunate accidents. Sometimes bad luck. Sometimes is it him? But I, I think, especially last year, um, you know, he, he showed that you know he has a potential of being up there. He, he was up there plenty of times, and sometimes something happened. Obviously, uh, Monaco is a good example, right? And out of a, a vehicle that maybe wasn't the best, but then another part of it is um, just going by preseason testing. The, the Ferrari not only looks good, but it seems like it's performing well. Their engine looks like it's it's top. Is back up there, and the pro seeing, but I think yeah. I think yeah, it seems like most teams are going to have that figured out by this week um, and whatnot. So I'm excited to see uh, number one the race within the team between him and Signs. Um, but I I think it's a as much as I hate to say it, and because I'm not a big Ferrari lover overall, because I'm not like a one to root for the big dollar teams. But you know Formula One. Is, a, is better when Ferrari is good. Um, and I think this is a year mm. they're actually going to be good once again and be back up there um, fighting for it. I, I really think it's actually going to be the top three is going to be Red Bull, Mercedes, and, and Ferrari fighting. I mean, that's my hope, actually, to have three teams really fighting for it. Todd or Nick, any thoughts about Engvall, or Engvall about Leclerc uh, before we move on to my next pick? Yeah, I, I could only really echo what Aaron said. Like, I believe uh, Baku last year, Charles got pole on, and he had like no business putting that that car on that track on pole, and then uh, was also on pole at Monaco, which is probably the one track that suited the Ferrari car with the, their drag issues um, the best, and like just was on a blistering lap, and then you know. Slapped the wall. He was on his. He had already had the pole lap put in, and was on an even faster lap the next time around, and then slapped the wall. Went in too hot, um, but it also prevented everyone else from finishing their lap. So um, he he ended up in pole on that race. But then due to uh, slapping that wall, they didn't. They had a gearbox issue, and he couldn't even start, which was a bummer. But yeah, I think. Aaron said it best. He gets the most out of the car he's in. He was great in Alpha. He was great in F2. He won in F2. Um, so I, I think it's. It, I'm a little bit spun because of how well uh, Carlos did last year to know 
really who's kind of the number one driver there. Um, but yeah, it's that's that's a great pickup. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think he's just one of those one of the exciting drivers that you watch Formula One for for the next five years. Like he and Lando are, you know, Russell. Like they're all, you know, like the the beauty of the sport to Aaron's point about all these guys coming up together through karting. The beauty is that they're all now like even more competitive with each other. And as they start getting hardware and building those trophy cases out on this level of, of racing, all these guys are just going to be so much more driven, you know, to, to, to win. So uh, I definitely echo those thoughts on, on Leclerc. Perfect. I'll use this as a segue to say my next pick will be somebody from that same team. I'll take Carlos Sainz. It's in my mind, I'm trying to go between Sergio Perez and Carlos Sainz. I think if I was more serious about winning, I'd probably pick Perez because I think that's easy money because it is Red Bull. But I don't know. I think we've been saying this and we're all starting to sound like broken records this year. And we think this is probably the year of Ferrari's ascendancy back to a championship level team. And to that question around who is the number one driver, it, for all intents and purposes, should be Charles Leclerc because he's younger. He has a host of potential. But I will say this, Carlos Sainz is criminally underrated despite being on a top three team in terms of what he's done because everywhere he goes, he puts in a shift. He's almost, and I mean this in the most respectful way, Todd, he's Danny Rick, but without the charisma. Like he's just going to get you these results. He's going to overachieve in some regard. He just doesn't have that magnetism that we're all drawn to as a camera. The homeboy's kind of boring, but we take that, especially if we're fans of that Tim Duncan, Sebastian Vettel mold. So I'll go with Carlos Sainz as my pick. Damn it. I mean, that's... Go ahead, Nick. That's an interesting pick. I'm not going to say much more right now, but I'll follow up a few picks down the line. I was going to say, Nick, you got the next pick, and I want to see if you take on Team Red Bull, but then I realize you can't because we've got the... Exactly. Oh, he's gonna he's about to do me dirty, I think. I mean I have to, right? Like <laughs> but 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 that doesn't actually really hurt you because that leaves you with Checo. So you're basically getting two of the best drivers because I can't choose the second. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I mean Carlos is is great. I think he's a part of that young gun crew, you know, that He's, yeah, they just they're just fun to watch. Now, I was gonna say this. He's in that I'm not yet a girl, but or I mean I'm not yet a woman, but I'm not a girl anymore stage. Like he's in that Britney Spears and Crossroads moment right now, where a couple more years he could be regarded as part of the old guard, but he's not young enough to get on Twitch and understand how all that works. But I'm here for it. I'm here for middle aged Carlos Sainz. I really think he could he could be fighting Charles through this whole year. Like he 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 beat him in points last year, but as Aaron mentioned earlier, Charles had some unlucky moments. He had some, he caused himself some unlucky moments. Um, and I think just the, the, the role of the dice went a little bit more towards uh, Carlos last year, but I could still see them being, you know, right next to each other in the championship fighting. Um, I think he's got the same pace, uh, you know, generally, that Charles does. He might not have the magic and on all the races like Charles does, but he could be right there. So I think that's, it's a great pickup. And I was really hoping I was going to get one, one person on team red, but I go ahead. Just, just, like vision board this shit. 
<laughs> well, I'm. I just. I have to pass it over to Nick to just sink the dagger in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't not pick Danny Rick. So, I, my, probably you know, I'm not as much of a fanboy as Todd, but he is definitely up there on my list of favorite drivers. He's just. He he's the reason why like people remember that this is supposed to be fun, right? So regardless of what he's going to score and and how he's going to finish, like you're always going to want to see him and, and, you know, him out there competing him afterwards, him between races. Uh, so, yeah. And, you know, I, I get to actually, I get to actually counterbalance my max choice by having somebody that I want to actually root for. So. <laughs> Brutal. I think, I think Danny's, Gonna have, I think the cars for the with the rule changes this year actually suit him. Following closer, he's known for his late braking, making those aggressive like moves. And I think um, obviously in Renault and the McLaren took him a little bit of time to get used to the car. And but now obviously it's sort of even playing field. Lando, and not that like Lando's like far and above better than him, but but Danny's style of driving I think fits a lot of what the cars are now. So I think he has a lot of potential to like really have a good year and be back up there because, um, you know, like with his Red Bull days, um, he, he was always up there and, you know, his, his, most of their goals is of course, win the championship and, you know, like you, you can't have Formula One right now if I were Danny Ricardo. It's, it's hard not to root for the guy. And if you do, do root for him, then I don't know, like who kicked your dog, but, um, yeah, everyone loves Danny. So. So I've I've kind of a random in between draft question for you guys, and you don't have to answer. Maybe we sit on this until later in the draft. But what driver has the most animosity towards a previous team that they're harboring? I think it's the guy you just drafted. I think for a lot of Danny Rick's exuberance and joy, like he still believes he should be at Red Bull and he should be the number one driver. I mean, everything we cite from season one of Drive to Survive, you're basically looking at a guy who's seeing the writing on the wall and rather than being a good soldier and letting the team dictate it, he just says, no, I'm going to go to Renault and I'm going to do my own thing to various degrees of success. But it's also interesting to me with the exception of his time in Renault, he's kind of stumbled onto a similar situation now in uh, McLaren, because for all intents and purposes, McLaren has their max. His name is Lando Norris. So I'm wondering how he handles that. Yeah, I would have probably say, as far as like true animosity goes, it's got to be Danny Rick and Red Bull because he he came in, sadly wiped the floor with Seb after, you know, Seb just came off that championship. Um then Seb was gone and Max came in, you know, the prodigy and almost immediately Max was, was th their golden boy. Um, but I mean, he did a lot in the, in the Red Bull. Danny Rick had, you know, made a name for himself as, you know, the last of the late breakers um, in a Red Bull. So I think again, going to what Rohit said, we saw his transition into that animosity on drive to survive in season but one. But I'll throw this one out that might be an unexpected pick for that. Sergio Perez. Mm. He basically saved slash built slash 
like kept that team alive in Racing Point or Force India. Yep. He took the team to administration, which is basically like filing from bankruptcy in U.S. terms, um, and saved that team, which took it from Force India to Racing Point. And then as soon as Daddy Stroll came in, he was like, all right, I want to have peace. Like, so he's got to have some. I, I know he probably still loves all the members of that team. He was like, as far as like, Loved by the teammates. I think he probably ranked number one on Paddock. Like he literally saved that team, saved all these people's jobs. Uh, and then they just, you know, the new ownership came in and said, peace. So Yeah, and I was going to say, Tom, another name you mentioned, Vettel for Ferrari, right? Like I think that's also a very latent frustration, if we can call it that. But that's kind of why we love the sport the way we do. Because every driver thinks you're God's gifted automobiles for more intensive purposes, that's probably true. But I would say that would be my podium of disgruntled, jilted ex-lovers of Formula One. I do want to add one more person in there. And as much as I'm a Red Bull fan and somehow all these people are tied to Red Bull is uh, is Carlos. Because he, remember, he was part of the Red Bull family as well. He joined the same time as, as Max and Toro Rosso at that time. Um, and as the progression happened, he got passed over. Pierre Gasly got the seat at the big team and Carlos got overlooked. And that's why, if you actually look it up, he got loaned out to Renault, if I remember correctly. And he sort of worked his way out because he figured out at Red Bull, he was not going to get his chance. Probably not as much, you know, because he wasn't up there, didn't get pushed back down. But uh, I know that obviously a lot of, and we all sort of know Red Bull's um, image and uh, the way that uh, they're sort of cutthroat with, with their young drivers. And if you don't perform or have that, uh, you know, instantly, sometimes you get left behind or forgotten about. And so I think Carlos, uh, not as much as like said, Ricardo, or like said, the Vettel one is actually great because Vettel's time in Ferrari was was a very uh sometimes watching Dorado survive and we know it's there's drama added to that, but it was rough at times to watch some of those interactions <laughs> between Vito and the Ferrari. Yeah, and and I think that's the interesting thing for like people that are new to the sport. Like these guys have so many layers to their career journeys and their past to get to the teams that they're on right now. So like I asked that question really in my mind, I was thinking about Pierre Gasly sure. and and you know try he didn't get to, you know, he, he drove for Red Bull, didn't live up to team expectations, got kind of pushed back to uh, Toro Rosso or Alpha Tori, um, you know, but he's still obviously a great driver. Then there's, you know, the, uh, the Alex Albon, you know, situation, right? Like here's a guy who got, who lost his seat completely last year and now is like fighting to get back to competitiveness and in a Williams car that is probably nowhere near the top of the, of the grid, but you, that's, that's also the beauty of it is like, those are the times that you just unexpectedly have somebody that just, you know, blows people's minds. Case in point being Checo in the, in the racing point stuff, right? Like he, he really drove, like he was in a, in a Mercedes for a couple of races there or more than a couple, even where it was just like, what, how, where I don't understand, but I'm here for every part of it. So yep. yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting kind of 
piece to the puzzle, I guess. But yeah, ultimately, long story short, that last topic basically lets me know that Red Bull, in some way, shape, or form, is the answer to that question, Nick. It's just who's your driver of choice that got jilted by Red Bull's program, and how are they responding accordingly? That does kind of that does kind of sum it up, huh? Yeah, I didn't really think of that, but yeah. I guess while we wait, if you want to hit us up on chat, Todd, with your picks, we can make that for you. And maybe we can also play charades and try to figure out why you picked the players that you did. But we will use this opportunity to say that we will probably speed through these last picks because we want to make sure we continue to hit that hour sweet spot. But as we are doing that, Aaron, talk to me about a team that you think might surprise people because so far our conversation has been very top three centric between Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari. Is there a team in the midfield that you think, hey, this is the year they're going to kind of break out similar to how we talked about Lando doing that? It's going to be a little interesting. I think um, obviously with with the first race coming up and final testing coming up, um, we'll see more true to form what their pace is. I think Alpine might surprise people. And Alpine is the only one using the Renault engine, which surprised, you know, everyone last year um, is being consistent. Obviously, I'm a Alonso fan. Obviously, you're an Ocon fan. Um, I think that that car showed potential in preseason. And uh, I think it might be the sleeper to get in that midfield, um, upper mid- midfield That's position. Yeah, that thing. So perfect. That's my that's my bold prediction. <laughs> no, I think that's pretty bold, and I also kind of agree because as of right now, I don't see any of the other teams kind of taking it. And the only way I could see Alpine get any higher is if we mention any of the top three, and I guess really it's top four because we did also speak a little bit about McLaren during this episode. If any of them kind of capitulate in a sense that we don't anticipate, then yeah, I think Alpine's the team that seems to have the infrastructure and the drivers to take advantage of that. Because when you do mention the names, Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon, you think of a couple of different things. For Ocon, it's more around consistency. The guy will always put in a shift and he's always the guy that seems to outpace his qualifying. So he may qualify in, let's say, 11th, but then he's somewhere in that 7 to 8 range. And then Fernando Alonso, if you want to look up how effective that guy is, despite being removed from the sport for a couple of years, the only thing we can kind of allude to, or rather exhibit A, is the Hungarian Grand Prix, Grand Prix which Ocon won. But it was ultimately due to Fernando Alonso being the best bullfighter Spain has produced in quite some time, because the way he kept Lewis at bay, I think, ultimately guarantee that podium for that team no definitely and uh alonzo came back a year early technically to get back into the groove last year and he prepared himself for this year for the new regulations um and, and you know his goal is to win another championship like for those that don't know alonzo won championships he's back back way back in the day but he was the young gun the young driver that drove the wheels off the car um, for Renault before the, this is way before uh, a lot of stuff happened. You should look the history of, up, <laughs> of what he had to deal with. And, um, you know, realistically, uh, a lot of times for his drives, he sometimes just chose the wrong teams to go to. As much as I love uh, McLaren and Honda, like that, that pairing was just horrible. Uh, even, you know, just, just in general, like sometimes his choices of teams um, sort of bit him. And a lot of people feel that he, 
should have won another championship if he was on a different team when he could have had chances to do that because he sort of had that uh he was the the free agent that everyone wanted and so he sort of got to choose where he wanted to go most of the time and and sometimes it seemed like he just chose the wrong wrong place yeah. Now, I was going to say, it's funny you mentioned that because somebody had recommended me a book called Checkered Conflict, and it's ultimately a story about Ferrari and specifically the fact that was it, Mc, I'm sorry, was it McLaren or was it Ferrari that both Alonzo and Hamilton were teammates together? McLaren. So yeah, the book is ultimately about how that relationship deteriorated or I wouldn't say deteriorated. Ultimately, it results in two championships. I won't tell you who wins what championship, but it's still a fascinating read. So Checkered Conflict, Exhaust Notes Book Club, if we ever have one. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yep. All right, Mr. Yates, what do you got? You get the next two picks, Todd. So what are you thinking? All right. So obviously I'm going to take Checo with my second pick. And then, I mean, I think he's actually going to be a step up, a step closer to the front this year. I think he got a little bit more comfortable with the car, uh, got a little bit more comfortable in the team and kind of accepting being the number two. Um, So I think he'll be there to fight or, you know, potentially be like a, Mac or Lewis, Max, George, Checo kind of situation. Um, so I think he'll be there. I mean, I'm hoping he'll be there. Otherwise, I think somebody else is getting that seat next year. Um, but I'm going to go. Oof. My next pick here is going to be tough. Yeah, man. Okay. I want to take Seb, which is not the right thing to do. Because Aston looked like they had a little bit of a rough go in the first test. But as we talked about on the last podcast, Seb was P5 in the times all three days. Um, I I know that those times mean nothing, but that means he was at least performing consistently. Um, But I think potential upside, I got to go Pierre Gasly. All right. Um. I, I don't know. That that could totally backfire. I could totally see Seb up there fighting with the top group that we've already chosen for our first two for each team. Um, just based on his experience, I think he still has the talent if you give him the right car. I don't think he's had the right car since his Red Bull days. Um, so, I, yeah. As much as I want to pick Seb because I love the human being that he is, and I think he has the talent still, I got to go Pierre Gasly because he can have those magic moments that'll you know, and and I think speaking of consistency, he was like P six for like six races in a row or something. So I'm gonna go Pierre. Sacre Blue. That's a good pick. <laughs> Great pick. It's good. I I think recently he mentioned that his and this is a little surprising because people thought he would want to leave, but I think uh, recently he actually mentioned he's he's gunning for that second Red Bull seat again. I, mean, I guess my question to you guys is how long do you see Checo holding on to that seat? Because he's not exactly a spring chicken in that sense. And more importantly, do you think he, in this case being Pierre Gasly, gets that rare opportunity that we never thought possible, which is a second shot at the second seat at Red Bull? I think 
that Pierre's trying to prove. I, I know that he said that he's like trying to go back to Red Bull, be the, you know, in the top Red Bull team. But if I'm Pierre, I'm just shopping my talents elsewhere. I want, you know, that I want to replace Hamilton when he leaves F1. I want to, you know, be the number one somewhere. I don't want to go to the top Red Bull team to be Max's exactly. number two. I think he's got the talent. He's got the, uh, you know, the character for it to be a number one somewhere. Um, yeah, I just don't see why he would want to go back after the team dumped him. Yeah, I mean, redemption story. <laughs> Netflix would love it. Oh my god! I, yeah, the Netflix, the box to box films would just pee their pants if that actually happened. That would be pretty epic. I, 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 I mean, I feel the same way about him. I would have picked him if you were going to leave him on the board, but. Um, I think that he, I think he's shopping his talents. I think it's just him playing the game and saying like he wants to prove again, but I do think he uses that as motivation, which I think is why of the midfield, he's definitely one of the more consistent, you know, drivers. So, um, Nick Engvall, what do you got? Um, this is when it gets really difficult for me because there's just, there's just so many good drivers in average cars. Let's, let's say it that way. Um, my, my, my heart wants to say Fernando, but I don't think that he, I don't even think he's number one at Alpine. I think Esteban Ocon is. And to Todd's point, I think Sebastian Vettel is, is the, is the like other like my heart wants to choose him, but uh, I think I'm gonna go with Esmon Ocon. I think he's you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm killing you. <laughs> you know what? He's just Nick's team name is gonna be yeah, I took your driver. Essentially, no, no, I think it's a solid pick because I was hoping you would take Alonzo and I could weasel my way to Esmon Ocon and be like, hey, that's how it felt. But no, I see. I still think Alonzo is a number one driver because of the fact that he's got the reputation as well as the points. He outscored Esteban Ocon last year, despite Ocon getting the first place finish between the two. But it'll be an interesting race because I think, is this the year where we see Fernando Alonso revert back to type and start questioning everything and start pushing his way towards supremacy over a team? Because I don't think he's going to be as bad as his last year in McLaren, where ultimately it just seemed like they were catering to every woman fancy he had. But I also think he... I don't see him being comfortable with yet another fifth place constructor finish, but I could be wrong. I don't think so. I, I mean, but I'm also very bad that you took Ocon. So yeah, I, I don't have a comment just because I don't want to ruin my next picks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, not giving away the no, secret no, sauce, no, huh? Exactly. Well, I don't have a pick for a while, so. I think that you are totally wrong, Rohit, as much as I love you. Um, Alonso is the faster driver. He's better in traffic. He's better at start. He's probably the best driver on the grid at the race starts. He had, I think, like three to five overtakes in almost every race start every last year. He's the best. He's insane at race starts. He's, I think his, he made up like nine positions in one race. How many jelly beans um, does that get you? Yes. I think he's <laughs> he's he's faster over one lap. 
Uh, I think I'm not going to say that Ocon is not talented. Uh, he's kind of won me over um, in the last couple of years. I still think he's like a goofy rat looking dude, but you read um, my ratatouille looking friend along, right? <laughs> ratatouille. Uh, I, but I think in, for all intents and purposes, Alonso is the better driver, more well-rounded, and he's just happens to be a double world champion. I know it was a very long time ago, but you can't take that away from no, the equation. So, Aaron, I know we kind of did you a disservice by not giving you the first overall pick, but I think I will make it up to you because I will take Sebastian Vettel with my next pick. And it's everything we've always touched on during the existence of this podcast. He just seems like a cool hang. seems like a nice guy. I think he's kind of gotten over it, but he still loves the sport. And I know we always kind of utilize the Tim Duncan thing, but I was thinking about it last night. Really, he's Dirk Nowitzki post-championship run. Like, He's accumulated so much goodwill now that he can do whatever he wants and nobody's going to think less of him. And he's just a cool old guy trying to see out the last years. And I really hope he gets one last first place finish this year. So I think if I had to do one more hot take, I will say Vettel will get a first place finish somewhere in this calendar year. So Seb is also in a very Dirk-like way, the most likely to show up to a race with a foil wrapped plate of food Yes, too. So good analogy. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I try. <laughs> It wouldn't be foil because that's bad for the environment. But it was recycled from where he had it five races before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I like the Vettel pick. Actually, on my, on my own power ranking, Vettel, actually, my pick, Vettel was the pick after the pick I'm about to take. And, and if you guys are okay with it, I'm going to get my next pick. That's your turn, it's, sir. It's actually Alonzo. I'm going to the old guard. Uh, Alonzo, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, he came back to Formula One uh, a year earlier before the new regulations because his goal, and it is a lofty goal, is to win another championship. I said over the years, he's made some bad decisions on teams he's joined. Um, he's definitely got pushed, especially by Lewis. Um, and, and, you know, there's times where he was definitely bitter, um, left the sport. Obviously, he had some bad things to say, but but came back because it's Formula One. It's the, it's the echelon of it all. His, uh, you know, over the last year, especially, it showed that, you know, he matured. He's willing to sacrifice for the team. He's still a great driver. Like uh, Todd said, like, started races. Uh, even wet weather, he's been a lot better than he used to be. Like, he's able to adapt and change his style. And uh, even though in preseason, uh, they didn't get as much time in, their t- if you actually look at their times, they didn't have DRS. During during the season or during testing, and they were still pretty good, fast up there. Um, and uh, you know the best pitch images from the from the those three days is his car, smoky, and they have a cool like. There's just a lot of great images from that, but I, I think um, that car has some potential. And like I said uh, earlier, it's just uh, there's a chance, and that, that's why I'm, I'm going to go with Alonzo. El Plan. The L plan hopefully comes to fruition. That's a great that's a great pick. I think I was hoping he would slide after my after Rohit just, you know, passed over him. But yep. it's a good pickup. And yeah, they Alpine had kind of a rough test. Um 
I think their their car performance might be up there, even given the no DRS and testing. But the quite big question mark to me is the reliability of their own power unit. They're the only team on the grid with the the Renault power unit, and they had to make some changes here this year to accommodate for the new fuel. There's some rumor mill in the paddock that maybe it's not such a great engine or it's uh, you know, large step behind the other engine manufacturers. So we will see. All right, Aaron. Who are you going to follow Alonzo? Aaron, you're back to back. Okay, then now this is where it's tough. There's there's someone I have on here, but I don't really like the guy. So, <laughs> so I'm going to go with the guy I like who's next. It's going to be Yuki. Damn it. I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, obviously me being half Japanese and you keeping the Japanese driver on the grid, there's definitely that, uh, my love for Honda, um, is well known. And even though it's, it's red, red bull power plant, whatever it's called, uh, we know it's a Honda motor just without <laughs> VTEC, uh, in that Alphatari, the car looks good. Um, I think he's going to have a better, better season for sure. He lost his, uh, training and his coach and Alex. But that second half of the season, he, he really brought it on. Obviously, the last race was his best race, almost pretty much his best race of the season. And he has that, uh, you know, the potential. Um, he has that drive. And he sort of knows, like, this is the, the year. Like, if he doesn't perform this year, he's not going to have that seat next year. Um, and because he was very upfront with some interviews where he wasn't sure if he was even going to have a drive this year. So I think he's going to have that motivation. Uh, obviously being at AlphaTauri and his, as you guys mentioned on the podcast, him and Pierre's relationship is one of the best pairings in the grid. Um, and I think that helps a lot, especially in, in, in the paddocks and with the team. So Yuki is, is then my next. Pick. I think he's everyone's second favorite driver, if we're being honest with ourselves. And yeah, there are a lot of us that go through some aspect of a sophomore slump. I think all of us are rooting for Yuki to win against that. And I thought it was interesting. And I just recently found this out where Franz Toast actually like brought him in or was like his supervisor for like uh, from a housing perspective. And it was like, essentially, you're going to be living with me until we kind of ship you back to space or back to shape and falling into space. He even was quoted as saying Franz was in better shape than he was last year. So I'm interested to see what a motivated Sonoda looks like. Yeah. I think like when Alex Albon was off off the pat or off the grid last year and he was driving in TTM for Red Bull, they brought Alex into he was obviously their development driver and stuff as well, but they brought Alex in to kind of coach up Yuki. And since that happened, it was kind of probably the last quarter of the year. His performance actually noticeably improved um, over the last fourth of, of last year. Uh, I'm really sad that he's off the board because he was like, instead of picking with my my brain, I would absolutely have taken him as my next pick with my heart because I love him. Like he's just like a like a. He's I just want to hug him. Like, he, he, he had the absolute funniest tweet of last year when he was sitting in his car. It was a picture of him, very dark atmosphere, kind of like blacked out around him with no helmet on. And he was sitting in his car and he's not a very tall man, but it just had one word. 
And that one word was grow. And it was perfect. It was just the perfect <laughs> chef gets tweet that I love yeah. him so much. I think, I think to Rowett's point, he's, he's definitely first or second or third on everybody's favorite list, at least from the, the people that are on this, on this podcast. So. Oh. so I think I've got the next pick and I'm, I'll make a boring pick. I really don't want this guy in my team because of how boring he is, but ultimately the name of the game is to score points. So come on down, Valtteri Bottas. You're the next person to join the fighting Ocons. Nice. Nice. That is a surprise. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to just jump right ahead and throw another surprise in there, but you guys have been talking him up the last five minutes. So my next pick is going to be Alex Albon. Now, I was wondering where, where Alex Albon was going to end up because that would let me know how drunk this podcast would get. So I think right now we're, we just had a nice Chardonnay for dinner and we're just uh, maybe getting a second glass to pair with a nice tiramisu our wife or better halves may have cooked for us. So. I mean, I have to pick him, though, because you, you guys you guys said it, right? Like he's he's a big reason as to why Yuki improved when he came back to the sport when is when Alex came back, you know, to be a part of the sport for those last, that last half of the year or whatever. And to my question earlier, I think he's going to just have the fire. He's just going to want to prove that he deserves to be in formula one because he definitely was one of those cold hearted shafted, you know, Red Bull moves that I, I think, you know, the general population doesn't fully understand the, the politics of the sport and the, the cutthroat nature of, Look, there's only two seats, and Alex Alex drove well when he was driving, but he didn't drive better than Max well. So, you know, some could say he didn't drive to survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my god! I don't even know how to follow that. Up. I can't respond to that. I'm sorry. Well, you should. You got the next two picks. Um, this. Well, I'm gonna just move on to my next picks because I can't accept that pun. Uh, well, you guys are pretty much giving me no choice here. I gotta take the son of the arch villain. I got to take a stroll with Lance. Um, I think I'm not actually that mad at it because he's had some like almost really good overachieving performances. Think Turkey last year. Think actually Turkey the year before that as well. Um, We had, I think he podiumed in both of those races. I think he's uh, sneakily good in the wet or in changeable conditions. I think he's learning a lot from Seb. I don't think he's like, you know, top tier, really got the minerals, as our UK friends say. Um, but I think he's consistent where he is, and he is learning. So he has like, has an upward trajectory. And I I just fear, you know, I, I, taking him over, like, you know, I, Latifi or something, right? So I, I'm going to take Stroll. For my next uh and then for my final pick there's you know there's a lot here on the board that's a little surprising um man this is a rough one uh i'm gonna take 
I so this is a tough one because of the initial testing and the second testing hasn't happened, but both Alpha and Haas had really rough tests. So the smart money, I think, would take Latifi, but Latifi is just like just captain average, right? He's he'll be P18 all day and just like he's out for Sunday drive. He's not gonna be overtaken. He's not doesn't I mean he's had a few a couple years in F1 now, and I don't think he's really improved pace-wise. Um but he's probably the smart money as far as the last three teams are concerned. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to take Mick Schumacher and Haas because they've just had a shit show of a beginning of a year. They've come off the last three years of just actual absolute clown operations. So I'm going to put out the olive branch to Mick for my last pick. Interesting. That's who I thought you were going to go with, to be perfectly honest. I really wanted to go with Guan Yu Zhou, but I don't have the highest of hopes for Alpha after that test. I think Guan Yu Zhou or Zhou Guan Yu, however we're supposed to say that now, I've heard it said both ways. Um, I think he's like a fine driver. He had a pretty, he had, he's kind of almost a journeyman of F2. He had three full seasons. Um, and he had some good performances. He won a few races, but I don't think he's really his ceiling's not very high. I guess if, if in my in my uneducated opinion, I think the Haas. I know that obviously the past two years, especially, have not shown, and obviously they have a lot of turmoil at at the moment. But you know, before officially testing, when people first saw the vehicles on track the first time, they said the Haas is the most advanced um, looking. I don't know what that actually means. If they had some more flares or you know stuff like that, I'm not sure. But a lot of people said that you know the, the Haas definitely showed that they were working on that vehicle for the past two years. Uh, whether that you know translates to quick lap times, we don't know. But um, like I said, the Ferrari power unit looks like. It's a force to be reckoned with, um, and that's what they are. And and it's a Schumacher. Yeah. So, and he's historically better in his second year of everything, right? So his first year in F three, not very good. Second year, what much better? Same thing with F two. This is his second year of F one, so maybe he's gonna win a race. I don't know. So all all that said, that that leads me into my pick. I'm gonna go with the. The hot seat at Haas with Fittipaldi, because I actually think that not only do I think that Haas has the emotional and moral support from a massive amount of fans after all of this political stuff, and just the fact that an American team did well out of the gate, and now we're waiting for them to come back and do well again. But I think that whoever does take that seat, namely Fittipaldi, just let's assume that for the, the you know few, first few races at least right whoever's in that seat has a legitimate shot at driving for like at driving at a seat like a full-time seat in formula one no other driver is is close enough to like have that tangible like <laughs> here we go the tangible drive to survive right like so yeah, gotta be Fittipaldi for There's me. There's no reason that pun should have yeah. been done twice. <laughs> we should not, but 
I had to. The world's worst Michael Caine impression. Oh, and I, my pick is made for me because I picked Valtteri Bottas in the last round and per the rule that we can't draft two of the same driver. Oh, perfect. Yes. So I'm so happy, actually. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that is a rough roll of the dice. There. I will take the nicest okay. Formula 1 driver there is. You know, for every point he scores, I will celebrate with one Tim Horton's pancake. I will <laughs> spend my loonies to celebrate Canada. I may even listen to a Drake-only playlist. But yeah, come on down, Nicholas Latifi, because nobody else is going to draft you. You hoser. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the Canadians, him and Stroll, they're friendly guys, right? I mean, it works pretty well for Aaron, though. It is true. So for, for those that don't know, uh, I'm half Chinese and half Japanese. So my last pick obviously fulfills the second part of me. <laughs> the United that's Nations. Right. That's the first time that's been said, ladies. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like I said, he, he's not the worst paid driver ever to join um, at all. Uh, the team in general, obviously, they, they had some troubles. Uh, <laughs> but he got more laps in than Valtteri did. And, and they said he got comfortable pretty quickly out there. Um, I don't think he's going to spin and go crazy out there. But I think you know, he'll probably gradually improve as the season goes. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, you guys said on the pod, uh, Alpha has a nice looking wall wheel covers and the, you know, the delivery is definitely um, eye catching out there. So um, I'll definitely keep an eye on him and see how he does because it, having more, obviously, um, diversity in the sport in all sports is, is helpful and getting more eyes on the sport is good as well. Because then not just now, but, you know, 10 years from now, if there's that kid watching, you know, that, that aspires to be like, the person from their country or, or whatever, um, you know, and then that type of stuff that, you know, changes its game. Uh, we want to see more teams in Formula One, uh, getting more sponsorships, more people involved. Obviously, uh, China is a huge country with a lot of people and a lot of money. If they got more interested in the sport and wanted to join, even though, you know, FIA said and F1 said they're not really looking forward to it, I, I, wholeheartedly think Andretti is eventually going to get a team. And I think some other people are going to want to get teams uh, on the grid sooner rather than later. Um, especially if this season with all the new changes, this is exciting. Obviously last year was, was crazy exciting, but I think the, the ways the car looks this year and uh, the way that the racing is supposed to be, I think it'd be another exciting year for Formula One. Speaking of, <laughs> is Shanghai on the, on the list this year yeah yeah it's on the okay. it's on the calendar for this year so far no races obviously besides sochi have been removed for covid perimeters or anything like that it sounds like it's a full steam ahead green light 23 race calendar it's gonna be a fun yeah <laughs> lights are out uh sorry it's going to be a fun year. I, I'm, I'm super stoked. I mean, I think, I think, you know, to, to Aaron's point, right? Like getting different people in as fans is it's the same reason why, like, I think, you know, we're all kind of like hopelessly Haas fans. 
because we'd love to see an American team be there somehow, some way. Right. And like, you know, formula one is definitely, uh, you know, we talked about even like, you know, Brazilian fans, right. When they have a driver, it's like they, they show out more than anybody. I mean, they, they adopted Lewis as their, as their, you know, prodigal son in the last few years. But like when, when, you know, when countries get behind their, their drivers and their teams, it just becomes that much more fun and it just draws people in so much. And I think it's, it's the like most underrated aspect of formula one is the actual like international aspect of it. You know, like we all know that, that these races take place all around the world, but like for a lot of people, this, this can become and or already is, you know, as important as any Olympic games. And, you know, there's something to be said about that. And I think that's, that's going to be an interesting thing as the sport grows and, and however that, you know, potential next two, three years looks in terms of additional teams or, or the shaping of the grid and all that. So I'm excited for it. We should, we should, we should recap our, our picks though, just for, for everybody that made it to the, end of this episode. I just want to say one thing to your point. I'm kind of a nihilist and I'm kind of happy that we have the struggling American team. I don't want them to be dead last and like absolute garbage like they've been, but this being like a proper British sport, I kind of want to keep, you know, the, the old guard up at the top and just maybe have Haas being like a plucky midfielder, you know, just like, let us be American about things like bring back the umbrella girls, put bang energy on the car just like let us be american about it but like i don't want them to like to go out and win eight world titles because then it's just gonna i, I don't know i don't know what that would do to the i mean sport. i would agree with that i definitely don't i don't want to see haas dominating the sport or you know andretti whoever the next american team is but i think it's i think it's uh I think it's time we got to aside from me really wanting to see Lewis get his eighth title. I I think it's just like, I just want to see anybody else win, right? Like just throw it all in and lottery pick style and let somebody win that, that just totally throws off everyone's expectations. I mean, uh, it'd be perfect if Haas, you know, if, if Honda decided to come back, Haas grabbed them for the one year, they won a championship and then I would retire from. Yeah, exactly. Game. That's what, that's what I'd love to see. <laughs> we need, we need, a, we need a Braun GP yeah. craziness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Mike crack is now at, uh, at Aston. So we won't get that Braun yeah. GP craziness. That might be the best clown of the night. Mike Crack on a team <laughs> called Aston Martin. <laughs> sure is. All right, so the recap. I'll just say my team first since I pick first. We started off with Lewis. Then we went to Checo, uh, followed by Pierre. Then we got uh, Junior Warbucks in Lance Stroll and the second coming of whatever i don't know greatness uh and mick schumacher all right i had uh max verstappen my first pick danny ricardo is my number two espan ocon number three alex albon number four and the haas seat which as of right now seems to be a pietro fittipaldi 
I was really hoping Gunter Steiner would just say, you know what, I'm going to do this myself. I'll attempt Thanos. But my team, George Russell, with the first overall pick, uh, first pick for the Fighting Ocons. Then we've got Carlos Sainz, followed by Sebastian Vettel, Bowser Gotas, and then everyone's favorite Canadian, Nicholas Latifi. For me, I have a, well, originally it was Young Guns, but then sort of for one guy. So uh, I have Lando to begin with, then Charles. Uh, then we went to old man and Alonzo going back with the youth with Yuki. And then yeah, he's just the Charles Xavier to your X Men is how I look at it. Well, I'm more hair and a Kamala yes. hat on. He still thinks he's yeah. twenty, so I yep, mean it fits. Totally. He's got the fake ID that says he's twenty. Yeah, and that turban looks 42. so legit. <laughs> man, that's. If I had to pick a team out of everyone that we just reviewed, who do you think has the strongest team? Oh, I'll go with yours, son. Because like I have, <laughs> no, 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 I I feel like I have a strong team for the first three, and then it just falls off a cliff. But Nick and Rohit, maybe even Aaron with the young the young guns plus old man Wise over there. It's going to be a very interesting season based on our scoring yes. scoring system. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. I think I think it's going to be pretty competitive between the four of us, honestly. Um, and just to reiterate, basically, one through twenty, everyone will get points unless they f- don't finish the race. So this this whole idea was to kind of make it interesting, even for the bottom of the list of drivers that are out there each race. So. We'll still be wanting and watching those those last five to ten positions where on our traditional Formula One fantasy draft that you can hop into in the links in the description, that's more based on the top drivers and, and the way points are scored. Um, but yeah, I mean I, I'm I'm soaked. This was a blast. It's gonna be fun to watch. I'm I cannot wait for the season to start. One last thing. I'm gonna propose this right now. The winner of the fantasy Formula One, they get the fifth pick, the fifth chair next year. So then we'll have five guys in the actual draft. Oh, so everybody gets yes. four drivers? Okay, I like that. All right, yeah. I like it. That's good. So that means I, I'm inviting next year. I'm, I'm going to be more yeah. excited to hear that. <laughs> You're going to have the Alpha Toro to your Unless you win. <laughs> Unless you win. Unless you win, and then we're going to uh, invite two I might just people. mic drop and just quit before you guys fire yep. me. So. All right. All right. Well, thanks for rocking with us for another episode. Guys, let everyone know how they can connect with you outside of the podcast. Aaron, would you like to go first since you are the guest? Uh, I could go first this time. (laughs) 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 Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, A-I-R-O-N-0828. And of course, the Sneaker History Discord, um, where mostly it's Formula One talk, but I'm, I'm a lurker on there. So... If you talk, I'm, I might be listening. A man of strong opinions in the Formula One. And then we'll start the rhyming portion of the intros. I am on Twitter at Roheasy, on Instagram at RoadM13. Uh, I am T-Easy on Instagram and uh, HackJandy11 on Twitter. And I am at Nick Engvall on all the platforms, but uh, you can catch me also in the Sneaker History Discord with these guys. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for rocking with us. Head to the links in the description to find us elsewhere, and we will uh, look forward to the season starting. Peace. Porpoising.
Porpoising. What's the porpoise? Thank you.